This program is brought to you by the partners of A Root Awakening International. Help others find truth. Support A Root Awakening International today. It's not a rumor, it's documented. Columbus was indeed a Torah observant believer in Yeshua, and the lies you've been told about him are about to be exposed. Dr. Miles Jones explains the history of the new world in a way you've never heard before, because it's the end of the sixth day, the sun is set, and... This is Shabbat, not live. And I'm Michael Rood, and this is my pillow. Well, Shabbat Shalom to our fans. Welcome to Shabbat Not Live with Michael Rood, who's still, yes, hanging out with us in the studio this week. So, <laughs> once, you, once you get him started, you can't get him to stop, right? So, <laughs> so he knew it, I knew it, you knew it, but uh, we just didn't have a way to prove it. What I'm talking about, it's true. Christopher Columbus was indeed a Messianic believer, and a lot of what you may heard about him is not true. Dr. Miles Jones is explaining all that tonight on episode three of Pirates and Heretics. But first... Have you heard that our Passover event has moved? Yes, it has moved to April. The reason is that we have an Adar bet, a 13th month, as you can see on the astronomically and agriculturally corrected biblical Hebrew calendar. Let's talk about why you should take this opportunity to sign up for our Passover event with my co-host, the Chief Operating Officer of Rude Awakening International, Ted Clayton. Well, thanks, Scott, for letting me be here. And oh, by the way, Thanks, Michael, for letting me be here, yes. too. Michael's in the <laughs> studio here with us. And ladies and gentlemen, we could not be happier. The Passover's coming. There was an ADAR bet, so we've moved Passover to its, pro to its appropriate time, April 15th and 16th. Ladies and gentlemen, you're not going to want to miss a single moment of Passover 2022. Passover then and now. That's right, now Michael's in such rare form in the studio here with us, <laughs> I'm thinking maybe we should have had him do this, the, the Seder with us, but we've opted to take his best one. That's right. From years past. That's and right. And so that is what you will see uh, coming up in a month here, and uh, that is just part of the, the extravaganza, but it's, uh, it's a great teaching, you're gonna love it. What we encourage you to do is actually take your television, yes. put it at the the, the head of your table. That's right. So that Michael can literally join you for Passover dinner. That's and you right. can be teaching it to your whole table as you're going through it. And that's actually a lot of fun. You should give it a shot, okay? So remember that for uh, when you're doing the Seder. You'll have lots of time to set up because we have a, a significant lag time between the last teaching and, yes. the, and the Seder meal. I so. believe the last teaching finishes at five o'clock and the Seder meal happens starting at seven o'clock. Ladies and gentlemen, you're not gonna with, want to miss a moment of this. We've got great speakers. We've got Yehuda and Hadas Glick. We've got uh, Chef uh, Rich Hall, mm -hmm. who's going to be here with us. Nehemia and Linnell Gordon are going to teach cooking, uh, how it was done then, how it should be done now. Uh, Keith Johnson and Nehemia are going to have a great uh, uh, teaching session as well. And 
the round table is gonna take place once again with myself, Scott Laird, Nehemia Gordon, and Keith Johnson. Ladies and gentlemen, you're not gonna wanna miss a single moment of Passover 2022, Passover then and now. Now, we mentioned the 13th month already, and yes. how that is the Adar Bet, and uh, last week we mentioned that uh, Yeshua would not have had 70 weeks in his ministry without the Adar Bet. That's right. Uh, and one of the most significant things Yeshua said in his ministry was this, uh, the sign of Jonah, as Michael calls it. Yeah. Uh, the three days and three nights in the belly of the, the whale. Right. Uh, so it determined Yeshua's time in the grave. And of course, you know, if we look at Easter these days, well, that just doesn't happen with Easter. How do you get three days and three nights from Good Friday to Easter Sunday? Right, exactly. And so when you look at that, uh, the sign of Jonah, as it were, is extremely important when, yes. when trying to explain your faith and why you do what you do. Well, Nehemiah and Keith for Passover are doing something called Beyond Three Days and Three Nights. It wow. hinges, it dovetails with Michael's teaching on uh, the sign of Jonah, and they have discovered some new things that give it even more credence. Ladies and gentlemen, like I said before, you're not gonna wanna miss a single moment of Passover 2022. It's coming in April now. It's not mm -hmm. gonna be in March anymore. It's gonna be in April. Uh, Passover is a free online event. You just need to sign up at PassoverCharlotte.com. That site, once again, is PassoverCharlotte.com. Sign up, because we got some great things we wanna give you. Tell Indeed, us about yeah, that. It's free, but we do need you to sign up, because first of all, we have to show you where to go to watch the thing, and that's, that's a right. link. So we that's need your right. email address to give you the link. We also are gonna give you some free recipes and some coloring pages for the kids, and there's even a discount for our store for the whole weekend. And we've, we've wow. extended it through the whole weekend because uh, you know we wanted to have some time to, to shop outside of Shabbat hours, of course. So that's, that's, right. uh, that's why we do so that. So once again, ladies and gentlemen, there's a, I think it's a 20% discount. 20% off. Mm -hmm. Michael would probably say, oh my gosh, you're killing me here. <laughs> Because 20 whole percent, but ladies and gentlemen, you are worth getting that uh, percentage discount. These are great teaching resources that you can get in our store. Once again, sign up and register at PassoverCharlotte.com. But now tell us, Scott, about, speaking of, of resources that they mm -hmm. can look at, tell us about this month's love gift. Oh, this was great. So Bill Cloud uh, said he wanted to come in and bless the ministry. He understands Michael needs a little more time before he can be up on the stage here with us. Yeah. Apparently not that much time. No, no, because he's already been up here with us. <laughs> Already. Exactly, for two weeks in a row now. That's right. But uh, so anyway, uh, he said he wanted to do a teaching with uh, for Michael for our Love Gift program. So he came up here and he did a teaching on whom will you serve. This is all about man's laws and God's laws. And as we know lately all around the world, sometimes those don't line up. That's so, right. And, and often it's a big decision for folks. What are you going to do in this or that situation? Are you gonna follow man's laws or the pressure of man even if it's not a law? Or are you going to serve Yehovah and trust that he's gonna get you through whatever man's trying to put you through? That is an excellent teaching. Whom will you serve? And that's your gift uh, with a donation of $50 or more. Okay. And that is a gift from Michael to you, just to say thank you for supporting the ministry. You're not buying it, it is a thank you gift. And you'll get even more thank you gifts if you wanna give a donation of $100 or more, and that is a silver-plated Kiddush cup and coaster. Beautiful scenes of Jerusalem on this thing, and you'll get that in addition to the teaching for a gift of $100, or for $300, you'll get all that and this uh, this coaster, or pardon, this uh, 
Bookend. Bookend. Yeah. Bookend. Yeah, that's right. It, is, uh, it, it looks like the Western Wall, and it looks like two guys blowing the shofar by the Western Wall. That's Beautiful incredible. thing to have on your Bible shelf. And, and ladies and gentlemen, as we've said so many times before, it's so important to have these things so when your friends, your family, your neighbors come and they see these items, they can look at them and go, wait a minute, what's all this about? You're telling me this is about your faith? And then you can talk about your faith with them and talk about truth. And then of course, if they want to know more, then you can point them to places like michaelrood.tv, the app, mm, where you can yes. see Michael Rood's teachings there. And ladies and gentlemen, you will change their lives forever because we all know Michael changed our lives. So go to michaelrood.tv app, show them this, show them what they can see, show them what they can watch and get that love gift. You're not gonna wanna miss that. And once again, thanks Bill Cloud for doing that for us. We love you, man. Indeed, all right, thanks very much, Ted. All right, so it's not a rumor, it is documented. Columbus was indeed a Torah observant believer in Yeshua. And the lies you've been told about him over the years are about to be exposed. Pirates and Heretics, episode three with Dr. Miles Jones is coming up. But first, get your bread and wine ready for the Kiddush with Michael, Michael of course. Rude. All right, we'll see you back here in a minute. When measured against the word of Yehovah, some of man's laws are lawless. And there will soon come a point when you must decide whom you will serve. Using examples from the Torah, the New Testament, and from yesterday's headlines, Bill Cloud draws a striking parallel between the decisions made by heroes of the Bible and the decisions facing us in our modern world in this month's love gift, Whom Will You Serve? This is what I see taking shape, Scott. It is gonna to get to the point that we're gonna to have to make up our mind who we are more willing to offend, man or the Almighty. Who Will You Serve? Featuring special guest Bill Cloud is not for sale and it's not on YouTube. The only way to watch it is to receive it as a thank you gift from Michael Rood. Donate a $50 love gift and we'll send you Who Will You Serve on DVD or Blu-ray. Or for a donation of $100, We'll send you Whom Will You Serve? Plus a silver-plated Kiddush cup and coaster with scenes of old Jerusalem. Or with a donation of $300, we'll send you Whom Will You Serve? The silver-plated Kiddush cup and coaster. Plus a decorative bookend depicting a scene of worship at the Western Wall. These gifts are a limited time offer from Michael Root to thank you for your support. Make your donation today and receive the $50 gift the $100 gift, or the $300 gift. These special gift collections featuring Bill Cloud are available only in March and supplies are limited. Call now to receive your gifts, 888-766-3610. That's 888-766-3610. Or get your gifts online at monthlylovegift.com. Join us online for Passover 2022, a time of remembering, learning, preparing for the greater exodus, and celebrating the power of family. Passover 2022 is free, but you must sign up to watch it live. Sign up now at PassoverCharlotte.com. First, on Friday night, it's Passover meal prep with Scott Laird and award-winning chef Rich Hall. Sign up now to get the recipes. Then get a sneak peek at all of this year's special guests on Shabbat Night Live. 
On Saturday, it's a full day of teachings from Scott Laird and Dr. Tom Lokensgaard, Nehemia and Linnell Gordon, Yehuda and Hadas Glick, and Keith Johnson. Plus, a panel discussion with all of our guests. And of course, a front row seat to Michael Rood's best Passover Seder ever. You'll even get 20% off almost anything in our online store and free coloring pages for the kids. Passover 2022, then and now. Sign up to watch it live at PassoverCharlotte.com. There is a rabbinic tradition, even a takanot, a law which changed biblical law, that before one eats bread, one must wash their hand with the two-handled pot, a nagelvesser, and say this prayer. Blessed are you, O Lord our God, King of the universe, who has sanctified us by your commandments, commanding us to wash the hands. Nowhere in the scripture is this ever commanded. In fact, the rabbis will plainly say that we are the ones that made it up, and when you are obeying us, you're obeying God. Well, Yeshua said, do not follow the takanot of the Pharisees. Do not follow their man-made rules and regulations. But every time there is bread, every time we can remember what Yeshua said, what he put in place. And we can say the prayer, Baruchatah Yehovah Eloheinu Melech HaOlam Hamotzi Lechem Min Haaretz. Blessed are you, Yehovah, our God, King of the universe, who brings forth bread from the earth. And Yeshua said, I am the bread brought forth in the earth. This represents my body, which is broken for you. As often as you do this, if it's every meal, if it's every Sabbath, you do it in remembrance of me, because by his stripes, we were healed. And Yeshua took the cup, and he said, Baruch atah Yehovah, Eloheinu melech ha'olam, Borei pari hagafen. Blessed are you, Yehovah, our God, King of the universe, creator of the fruit of the vine. And Yeshua said, this represents the renewed covenant in my blood, the broken covenant in which we were offered to be priests and kings. Yeshua paid the price. He renewed the covenant with us and made us priests and kings. And so as often as we do this, we remember this and we reign as priests and kings now and will do so in the future with Yeshua for a thousand years in our resurrected body along with his resurrected body. And we do this in remembrance of him. Shalom. Okay, so you know how this rhyme goes. In 1492, yeah, Columbus sailed the ocean blue, right? Okay, everybody knows that. Did you know he was a messianic believer in Yeshua? Okay, maybe you've heard that. Maybe you think it's all hearsay. Maybe you think it's just a rumor. We're here to break that with Dr. Miles Jones. Dr. Miles, no, he, welcome back to Shabbat Night Live. Thank you, and I'm so glad to be here. Now, we're up to number nine, major. Number Miles, nine, there are 16 Columbus major accomplishments. Columbus was... A messianic, very, very definitely. Uh, okay, and he opened up the new world. He opened up a new era, all right? Now, 
You folks at home, if you're just tuning in, you can go to writingofgod.com and hit free download and you can download the same presentation. It's not all video, it's just a, a PDF uh, summary of it. So you'll know what the 16 major accomplishments of the Messianic movement were throughout history. It survived, mm -hmm. it thrived, it was under incredible uh, uh, oppression during that time, but it bounced back. It just kept bouncing back. Now you have a book on that, so let's not forget about that. You have a brand new book, so please tell us where you can get that because I want folks <laughs> right. to get this because it's, it's- Okay, um, so those of you yeah. have read uh, Sons of Zion versus Sons of Greece, it only went up to Constantine. There's way too much documentation. So I had to break it into two volumes I never bought, but there was such an immense volume of documentation. So. Volume two, which is called Messianic Church Arising. Okay. Volume two of Sons of Zion versus Sons of Greek takes the time from Constantine up to the present. And we're talking about the, uh, I, this blew me away. I mean, these major accomplishments of the Messianic movement, and they're major. And that's what we're talking about they're today. Major. Your they're major, they're really is, major. This is what we're talking about. And they've never been given credit right. for it. They tried yeah. to erase the Messianic church mm. as if it didn't exist. In fact, the official story is that it was, after it was declared heretic in the fourth century, and really, imagine that, folks, the actual church of the Messiah, Jesus Christ, if you prefer, Yeshua HaMashiach, the actual church of the Messiah was declared heretic. By the new Greco-Roman The faith Church, of the apostles. By the new churches <laughs> yeah. that were come out of that. They, wow. That was an apostasy. It became an apostate church. And they, they've never repented for this. Mm. They've made some efforts. Wow. You know, Pope Francis did go up to northern Italy and literally apologized to the Waldensians for the inhumane way they were treated and asked, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, please forgive us. And that's great. That's okay. That's, that's a wonderful. That's good. Yeah, it is. And John Paul had this. John Paul, who was a very good pope, he had this really heavy on his heart. This all of this oppression throughout the centuries, mm. and he really wanted to make a a complete apology. But he's really pressured by members of the church. You know, how can you be infallible? How can the pope be infallible if we're going to, you know, acknowledge all these error, errors? So he he acknowledged them in a very general way. Mm which doesn't cut it, I'm sorry. It's good, it is good. It was very meaningful coming from Pope John Paul, but there is no corporate exception to sin. Mm -hmm. There really isn't. Right. You know, uh, you, you have to repent of the apostasy. And it, it, you've heard of generational sin, generation to generation. You profited from that. All these churches profited from that. You know, they destroyed and they stole all the property of the Messianic church. Mm -hmm. Right and, and destroyed them, destroyed their scripture, you know, and and they're, they're still in denial over it. So your your father was a thief, and uh, you're not a thief. But if you try and deny or cover up the sins of the fathers, you carry some of that responsibility. And if you profited from it, and you're not willing to repent of it and do what you can, uh, you know, to be different and to make a difference and to to show penance for that repentance and try and make that up, then you, you carry that. You carry that sin as do the churches. Unless, unless a denomination actually broke off from the Roman church because of that, and I don't think any of them actually have, because of that apostasy, it said, we're breaking from the church because the original apostasy was wrong. And you need to ask yourself, you know, folks, is it that hard to say, you know, the Roman church should not have 
declared the original church of Yeshua, Yeshua, Jesus Christ. They should not have declared it heretic. They should not have hunted down and tortured and burned alive, you know, and killed the, the fellow believers, congregants, and burned their scriptures. If you have trouble saying that, you know, you should say that. Repent of any part you may have in it. But if you have trouble with it, you should do some soul searching. Because you have to, we have to do that. As a movement, Christianity has to do that. And we need to be willing to embrace those churches, right? But uh, go ahead. I was going to say, well, one, th- one thing we need to repent of is, is our opinion, I think, just generally of Columbus. Yeah. Because we think Columbus was this guy that came in, killed all the Native Americans, and he should just be forgotten forever. In fact, there's, there's uh, movements to forget his Columbus Day uh, in America and mm-hmm. switch it to uh, something that is more um, in memory of those who died. But it's not the story we assume, is it? No, it isn't. Columbus was a true convert. He, wa- he believed in the Messiah. His mother was full-blooded Jewish. Uh, and uh, I mean, he, uh, his sons recited a Kaddish prayer at his death, you know. He spoke Hebrew. All right, come on, that's a dead giveaway, right? Who speaks Hebrew if they're not Jewish, right? So he was Hebrews. He hung around with conversos. Conversos financed his trip. Messianish financed his trip to the New World. It wasn't Isabella's crown jewels that she hawked. That is not the case. Mm. You know, in fact, that was the final deciding thing that the treasurer, their treasurer of Spain, uh, was a converso, Luis Santangel. He was one of uh, Columbus's major backers, you know. So he and uh, another man, I think Carlos Sanchez, uh, they were the major converso financiers of, of his voyage. So, so his voyage to the New World was financed by Messianics. He was a Messianic. He had to keep that very close to the vest because they were burning them in the public square. If anybody found out, Hmm. they loved to pull down the people that had risen to a high level, either become rich or influential. They loved to drag those people out, down and, and condemn them and burn them. So he had, Columbus himself ordered all of his family archives to be burned. Mm. And he literally created the story that he was from Genoa, where his wife came from, his wife's family came from Genoa. But nobody knows him there. He has no known descendants there. He didn't speak Italian. Mm. He never went to Italy, right? In all of his travels to the courts, he never went to Italy. He spoke Portuguese. He was actually born in Cuba, Portugal, in the Duchess, in the Duchy of Beza. His father was the Count of Beza who literally had an affair with a mistress who was a, she was Jewish noble, noble woman, all right? And so, what, so he's, li- he's literally living and growing up in Count of Basis' home, right? Why, and uh, obviously accepted by, by his wife. So why, what, people understand how that could happen. Well, let me tell you, if you did not have a male heir, all of your lands and properties went back to the crown. Mm. All right? So even if your male heir was illegitimate, it's not the first time, illegitimate children were counted. They were from the royal blood. This could save your bacon. And a lot of, a lot of sons died young in any case. You know, now it didn't happen that he inherited, but uh, he, that's why he was 
tolerated and raised within that family, but he went to the school of navigators, Henry the Navigator, as did his father, Count Beza. That's why he had all these, again, all these incredible navigating and seafaring skills, and he needed every bit of it to do what he did. It was an incredibly dangerous voyage, and he was just a master, a master of the winds and the currents and the tides. The things he did hmm. were, were astounding. And, uh, uh, but anyway, he did, was definitely a converso. And guess what? <clears throat> when he set foot on the new shore, he claimed it in the sacred name of God, which he knew. Hmm. So guess what? He dedicated the discovery of the new land to Yehovah. Wow. When he stepped foot on the shore, right? And Columbus was not like the other conquistadors, right? Right, because atrocities did happen. He was a very moral man. Well, most of them were diseases that they brought to him that wiped out the Indians, right? But the Spanish conquistadors, what, what was their experience? They were raised in this apostate church, okay, which was killing and torturing fellow believers. So heretics and infidels, their lives were forfeit. So you could do anything to them. Kill infidels, take their money, take their wife, whatever. And they did. So I promised to tell you about Columbus Teenage Army. Oh, yes. But All right. But see, <clears throat> on his third voyage, he got stranded there in Jamaica, which was interesting. And his, his, his crew mutinied against him. But he had about 50 Teenage conversos of uh, his converso backers. You know, they were getting their children out to the new world so they wouldn't be grabbed by the Inquisition because they're ah. just going crazy. They're burning tens of thousands of conversos, you know, every year. I mean, it was horrible. It was just horrible. Because so he's over there in Jamaica. His crew, his old Spanish seamen, they have rebelled against him. But he has this group of teenagers and they're conversos, and his brother, Bartholomew, who's with him, also his son was with him uh, on this trip, and he wrote, he wrote this up. That's how we know about this account. He convinced him, let me arm these converso teenagers, right? And we will go, and we will take care of these. And so, so he did, and Bartholomew, they attacked them, and the, the Spanish seamen were just laughing at these teenagers, but then when they killed the first six seamen that tried to stop him, they suddenly took him seriously. And very, very quickly, Bartholomew had the leader of the rebellion at Third Point. Mm. And so he was taken back in chains to, to, uh, to Spain. You know, so his teenage converso army was the first wow. military engagement that in, is the, very in, interesting. in the New World. But one thing he did is on, he wrote a letter to Queen Isabella because he thought he'd been totally abandoned you know, by Queen Isabella. They had actually put him in jail when he came back. They discovered that he was actually an agent for the King of Portugal, mm. right? Which makes sense. That's where he was raised, you know? And in the treaty that, that settled the land dispute, he knew to tell them to move the demarcation land 200 leagues to the west, which is more than uh, 200 miles. So they, they you know... Portugal invaded the whole of, of Brazil and in the interior of the New World. Mm -hmm. They came out the winner in this. How did they know how to do that? Only Columbus knew of the very existence of it. So he wrote this to, uh, he said, uh, should I die in Jamaica and my proprietary rights, because his ships were, they couldn't sail, mm. right? He was stuck there in Jamaica. 
and my proprietary rights withdrawn, ingratitude will bring down the wrath of heaven so that the wealth that I have discovered shall be the means of stirring up all mankind to revenge and the Spanish nation will suffer. Mm. But this is so prophetic. It was Jamaica that became the pirate capital of the world, right? And brought down the Spanish empire, stole their gold and silver and their treasure. It's coming from the new world. Literally stole in huge, vast amounts, you know, and brought them down, broke their back, broke the Spanish empire within 15 years of it becoming the pirate capital of the world. It was amazing. So, I mean, his words were so prophetic. Now, luckily, Queen Isabel did not get that letter. He had no way to send it to her. And once he was rescued, there was no point mm. in getting her angry, all right? Well, number 10, right? Yeah. Okay, because of the Inquisition, the, and all, the, well, well, 1492, momentous year, the Jews were expelled from Spain, they had just conquered the last stronghold of the Muslims at Granada, and then they immediately turned and expelled the Jews, mm. right? The Messianics were fleeing because of the Inquisition. They knew it was a, they had no illusions about what was going on here. They were doubt to destroy the Messianic church, to destroy the literally the Messianics themselves, to burn a hole so deep into the collective consciousness of the Messianics that they would never raise their head again in opposition to Rome, mm. all right? That, that shows you how seriously they, they, they consider an existential threat that this new church had risen up that was not Roman, definitely not Roman. So these guys, they, they found safe haven every, everywhere that they could because they'd been, they'd been kicked out of England. They'd been kicked out of France. They'd been kicked out of England. There were pogroms going on in Eastern Europe and in Germany. Not going there. Huge, huge Jewish and Messianic presence in, in Russia, for example. Italy, Pope Sixtus actually issued a papal bull condemning the Inquisition. He had granted them, the same Pope had granted the right for King Ferdinand and Queen Isabel to run the Inquisition in their country. Mm. So they, they had control over it and they were doing all kinds of excesses. I mean, it's obvious. And he commented on these, that people that, of, that are totally innocent, you know, are being ground up in this monstrosity. I mean, uh, now, they did force him to retract that bull, right? But he issued it. So what he, mm. what he did as kind of a compensation is he allowed the conversos safe haven in Italy, mm. all right? So a massive number of Messianics went to Italy, all right? But also to North Africa and to Anatolia, which is now Turkey, and to the New World. They flocked to the New World. Uh, so they went, they went everywhere and they brought that influence with them. For example, remember one of the things you need to realize is that um, Columbus had opened up the new world. Europe didn't even know, they didn't even know about India. They, well, they knew about India because silks came from there, but over this long caravan route, very expensive, took three years, right? They'd only maybe dimly heard of China, uh, Marco Polo eventually went there and got word out about it, mm -hmm. but by land, right? And they were searching for this route. And that's what Columbus sold them on. Well, we could get there by going west mm. to the New World. We can get there by going wrong direction. By going west <laughs> to the New World. It will, I mean, well, he didn't know about the New World, right? <laughs> 
and we'll get to the Orient. And of course they did eventually. But then within eight years, Vasco da Gama found his way to India around the tip of Africa. Mm. Okay, so they found their way to India and to China. <coughs> and this, this, so all of a sudden you've got a worldwide trade that they never had before. Literally, worldwide trade, boom, appeared on the scene in Europe. You know, these silks and these porcelains uh, from, from China. Uh, it was incredible. You know, China, because of a dramatic, in the years following, right, they found massive amounts of gold and silver, especially in Potosi and later in Mexico. Potosi is a Bolivia, Peru right there on the border area. It was in Peru at the time. But they found massive amounts of, they found a mountain of silver. So they were loading up on silver. Well, what they would do is this. They would take slaves from Africa because you needed them to work in the mines or work in the fields especially because West African slaves had a genetic uh, uh, immunity to malaria. And that was a great killer, great killer at the time. It was imported from Europe, by the way, you know. <clears throat> but it would kill the colonists. I mean, so they would take these, these slaves over there, had to be West African slaves, right? Mm. And they would sell them, make a ton of money, double, quadruple their investment. Right? And then they'd load up on silver, cheap at the source, and they'd go to... China through the worldwide trade route, right? And now they could continue on to the west of China, right? Now, China had so idiotically mismanaged their coinage that they were literally, at this point, left without currency. Mm. Have you ever seen a country do that? Maybe inflate their currency so badly that it's worth nothing? That's what allowed, Never in my life have I ever seen such a thing. That's what allowed the Nazis to come to power. It's this sort of abuse of, of the system. Governments always do this. It's not the first mm. time, right? But uh, so you, you had this going on in China, total mismanagement of the currency. So they, in effect, had no currency. They did use silver, but it was very right. rare, all right? Now you've got these huge galleons coming from the New World, chock full of silver money, which obviously they could sell at a premium. Mm. Okay, and then they stock up on, on silks from India and porcelain from China, and China just had a world of valuable trade goods. Mm. I mean, they really were, you know, if they'd had a better navy, they would have been the, the conquerors of the world, but they, they had an incredible amount of good trade goods. So they load up on that, make it back to Europe, and they just made out like bandits on every leg of their journey. They double, quadrupled their money. It's, so you had so much money coming into Europe through Spain, mm. right? They, and Lisbon, you know, through, you know, Toledo and Lisbon. Yep. All the money was coming in. It was just, Spain was... I mean, Europe was so rich with this money. I mean, they were floating in money. And this made a huge, huge difference. And it, you're talking about uh, new ideas, new animals, new, mm. new products, new opportunities, new books coming from the East, you know, new knowledge. You know, it was just an incredible transformation of the world. Well, we'll circle back around in a second here to talk about how that's reversing in some aspects. But, Including well, a mm -hmm. worldwide trade and banking network set up by Messianic. Wow, okay, we, there's more to the story, so come back and uh, thank you for bringing Miles here. I'm learning a lot and I thank you because you brought him here. Your donations make all of this possible. There's folks behind the scene, there's equipment, there's uh, you know, rental of, of our facilities here, everything. And uh, 
it all costs money. Let's just be honest. It all costs money. We need donations to make this thing go. And you are seeing this because someone else donated to make it happen. Maybe you did. That's why I'm thanking you. Would you also donate so others could see this, continue to see this type of thing, so we continue to bring uh, Miles back and other folks to tell you about amazing things that are happening uh, so that you can be abreast of what's going on. So thank you in advance for your gift, and we'll give you a couple minutes to consider that. Thank you. Thank you for your support of Shabbat Night Live. Speaking of support, remember it was Messianic folks who supported Columbus's journey. They, we learned that truth this they episode. They financed it. They financed wow. it. They were there were many Messianics on the ship. Yep. Right. In fact, on this third journey, we talked about the teenage converso mm -hmm. army. Now you don't have to take notes and remember all this. If you you can go to writingofgod.com and just click on free download, and we'll give you a free download of of this presentation summary, so you know what the sixteen major accomplishments were. That's great. Thank but you for doing actually, that. Watch all the episodes. Yeah, we're, uh, we're going to get more detail here. If you, here, didn't, and then you, if you didn't catch them live, watch it. But we want to make sure this information is in your hand. And buy the book. Yeah, there's buy even the more book, detail Messianic there. Messianic Church Arising, Volume 2 of Sons of Zion versus Sons of Greek. Okay. And if you don't have the first one, go ahead and get that too because it gives you the, you got the whole picture. There you go. This is the 16 major accomplishments since the 4th century, since they were declared heretic and supposedly vanished in the 5th century. Well, they didn't vanish because they, they were- They did not vanish, did they? They were big time in the banking industry. So oh, okay, yeah. Tell they, us about this. No, they, the, 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 you know that this would have never happened if they had remained in Sephiroth. They were content there. You know, they were really content with that. But the Inquisition drove them out. Mm. Uh, you know, and uh, really the loss of their Jewish and Messianic professionals uh, turned Spain literally into a third world country for a, later. But for a long time, they were buoyed up by all the gold and silver and gems that were coming out of the New World and the massive worldwide trade, mm. right? But, but this worldwide trade led to... Uh, <clears throat> There were conversos everywhere. They had spread out to escape the Inquisition. They had spread all over the world. I mean, literally all over the world. There were Jews everywhere in the world, so they were Messianics mm. followed. It was like the night, the day. In fact, Vasco da Gama, when he first reached India, guess who greeted him at Calcutta? A new Christian converso, right? <laughs> His name was Moncade, you know? And he was called Gaspar, the pilot, the Jewish pilot, you know. And he came forward and hailed the ship, spoke to him in Spanish and said he was a convert to Christianity. He was a Jewish convert to Christianity. And he had been put in charge of the, of the Sultan's uh, navy, hmm. which was all primed to ambush the ship of Vasco da Gama. Hmm. Okay, but they, they, uh, they convinced him to call off, he was, the, he was the admiral of their navy. They convinced him to call off the ambush, which huh. he did. And he led them into the port where they had contact with the sultan. Now the sultan wasn't interested in what they had to offer because they were offering trinkets for jewels. Mm. Right? Uh, they, they didn't expect this level of situation, of <laughs> civilization. I think they were thinking they were going to be, they were going to be, uh, you know, wheeling and dealing with primitives in the jungle, and these were not primitives. So they weren't interested in the things that they had to offer. But Moncade was, Gaspar the pilot, was no longer trusted, <laughs> right? <laughs> because he had really betrayed them right. to these people, not that they were a threat, but he was supposed to ambush them. All right, so he went back with Vasco da Gama and to Spain and became a real favorite with the king. And so when he had a new 
you know. And one one of the things is that on the way back, came back around Africa and mm -hmm. set in that Cape Verde Islands, right? And there was another fleet going out that was going to the New World to investigate the route to China via the New World that that. Uh, that um, you know, Columbus had discovered, and this was eventually uh, Amerigo Vespucci took charge of this fleet, mm. right? And he learned everything about uh, this from uh, from uh, Moncade, the Gaspar, the pilot. Here's a great story about this. They were going around the tip of Africa to India, right? Mm -hmm. Vasco da Gama was, and he had and. Uh, they got blown off course <clears throat> all the way to Brazil. Whoa. <laughs> which they claimed for Spain. And then he went back across the Atlantic. Then he went to India. While we're here, let's clear right, this so, place. So here's <laughs> Gaspar. Gaspar, who has this knowledge of both the Eastern route uh -huh. to India and China and the New World route along the coast of Brazil. So he passes all this information on to Amerigo Vespucci, who then goes over there and they chart the, the, the coast of Brazil, which had already been claimed by Spain, mm. by these people that were driven by storms over there. So this one converso opened up both the eastern and the western trade routes. Wow. Right? So it was, it was a monumental, monumental thing. This is just one converso. But there were, there were uh, explorers and discoverers because it was the Jews who had invented the astrolabe Right, mm -hmm. you know, well, they are inherited it from the Arabs, and they they knew how to work this thing, right? And the new because it's it's rather tricky, you know, to use these things. So they they always had quite often a conversal pilot or a Jew, Jewish pilot mm. on these, and this was indeed the case with Gaspar and uh, uh, Master Joao, who was another converso who went with Amerigo Vespucci, and. And they, see, they discovered the new world. These were messianics. Not the captain, but his navigator and guide. They mm. were both conversos, all right? So that's a great story, isn't it? Uh, so these guys were discoverers in the new world. Well, see, there were Jews everywhere, and there were conversos everywhere in all of these Jewish enclaves all over the world. There were Jews, and they were messianics. And so they didn't trust the Gentiles, the Christians at all, would you blame them? But they did trust each other. So they set up this system of credit. Really, mm. you could put your money in a bank in another part of the world and draw a draft on it when you got to the new world or when you got back to the old world. It's mm. dangerous to carry money, especially when there's so many pirates. But they could, they could deposit a debt and draw a draft on it in another part of the world. Mm. I mean, it's amazing. It, it all depended on trust, just where the credit system came. If you lost your trust with these guys, you were sunk. Mm. You know, but they were, they were all of the same religion. You know, they're all messianics. Yep. And, and Jews, too. They were Jews, too, in on this. All right? So they created this whole worldwide system of credit. You could get loans in the new world for a new enterprise from banks in Europe or mm. Asia. Right? They had the money to write a, write a check, right? And you got the money, you got the draft, right? So this, talk about enabling these people to, to, to you know, start new enterprises, new opportunities. You know, and the first of them was uh, they discovered what is now called Brazil wood, but it, it, it was used to make a red dye that was widely used in, in coloring fabrics and stuff. Very, very valuable. And this was all found along the coastal forests of Brazil. And... Uh, uh, so um, 
uh, King Manuel of, of Portugal uh, had a converso merchant <clears throat> named Naranja. And he and other conversos established the first capitalist venture in the New World, which was to, they put mining uh, camps all along the northern coast of Brazil and cut down these, these Brazilwood trees and send them back to Europe for, to be used in, in, as a dyeing fabric. They were making a ton of money, like 50,000 ducats, silver ducats a, a year on this. First capitalist venture was done by conversos, you know. Hmm. Uh, of course, Spain later took that trade from them. That's what they did. They used the messianics to create this worldwide trade. Then they'd want to come in, put them in, burn them at the stake, and take the trade away from them. Well, they, they soon figured this out, right? And that's when they started supporting these uh, pirate mm. pirates. They would, you know, they were ship owners. Not only were they, they mastered trade, they were ship owners all over the world. Most, many of the ships were, were, were owned by Jews and conversos. So they were this mafia as it were, <coughs> I wouldn't describe higher guns. Or I wouldn't describe them that way, but um, you know the, the the Christians looked at them in a very negative light that they were stealing all the trade from them. But uh, you know they were just doing what they had to to survive. We're probably going to have to do that ourselves. Yeah, because you know establish a uh, you know a messianic a parallel economy. Because I can tell you one thing. The way things are going, the money is going to be worthless. You don't pump trillions of dollars worth of paper into the economy and not have prices going up when you already see that happening. Mm -hmm. Nations have done it forever. It has destroyed more nations than you can imagine. And, you know, apparently politicians on both sides of the aisle mm -hmm. have discovered that they have this unlimited credit card that the taxpayer is going to pay for. Daddy's going to pay for it, right? But a very short-term memory so, where they don't see this happening in... Times past. So they want to spend trillions of dollars, $3.5 trillion. Incredible. You know mm -hmm. what that'll do to inflation? Mm -hmm. That's what brings inflation up. It's the, yep. the, the money is worth nothing, so you, you, you know, prices rise. There's this parallel, you spoke of it just a second ago, this parallel economy that a lot of believers are talking about. And, you know, if you're watching Shabbat Night Live now, you, you see this, you hear about this, and maybe you're talking about it in your messianic circles, at your midrash. And everyone you try and mention it to, your Christian friends or maybe your non-Christian friends or whatever, they all think you're nuts. They all think you're a conspiracy <laughs> theorist, that this is all just in your head, and this isn't going to happen. But somehow, I mean, I, I don't know, what I've learned from you, Miles, is that this kind of thing has happened throughout it's history. It's not the first time. It's not the first time. And always, God has always used his remnant to warn them by his spirit saying, this is coming, do something. Create right. an alternate we economy. We have to come together do in community and create new methods of exchange, which are basically based on trust. Yes. So, you, you know, you trust members of your own your own messianic mm -hmm. community and, and obviously other Christians and, and stuff like this. But uh, a lot but, of people are just not going to get this. They're not going to understand this. Yeah, well, then they will be hungry. Yeah. Well, <laughs> Sorry. that's quite, it's, it is. And that's why we see that a lot of uh, Messianic folks are those who, <clears throat> who invest in themselves as far as learning how to farm, learning how yes. to butcher animals, learning how, even if you work in an office environment, you may want to go and learn how to butcher a cow. How to do yep. this, how to do that, how to... And we'll have to learn how to do this. You can contract with these people to provide you with food and meat, and you'll provide them with whatever you have barter to Barter system. Uh, yeah, it'll yeah. be a barter system, but it will be organized, mm. you know, possibly around some kind of cryptocurrency, because mm -hmm. the money is no good. What 
what does dollars have to do with anything? Use it to light your fire or something. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> really? Exactly. No, this is, this is very interesting to me to see how folks in the past of, of our faith have had to make their own way, as it were, uh, throughout history. Mm-hmm. And this, it, we're coming around to it again. And Just this is we, exactly what happened in the Messianics and the Diaspora. Yeah. You know, they were the ship owners. They set up a whole system of worldwide trade. They controlled it. They controlled worldwide trade. Mm. In fact, they did a lot of own subterfuge. A lot of, as much as 25% of the silver from Potosí and Mexico and, and other areas mm-hmm. just never made it to Spain. Mm. <laughs> they took it. They took it around the world and they used it to barter in China. It was all their ships, uh. right? And they had communication with each other. And this mattered later on when they were hiring pirates to, to take back from the fa- Spanish what they had taken mm. from them, what the Spanish had taken from them. They knew all the ships. They had people in every port. They knew what, what ship was leaving where, what their destination was, what their cargo was, even what the captain might be hiding in his cabin. You know, you know. So they had all this, this vast system of intelligence and information. So, you know, they were able to control even the the piracy part of the trade. They became very good at that. You know what you mentioned is that they they all knew each other and they communicated with each yeah. other. That's another thing we see happening even today. And they trust each other. There was a system of trust. That's, That's right. what the whole credit system that we developed is based on. Mm-hmm. Is based on trust. Well, that's just it too. With even uh, we talk about parallel economy, but there also needs to be parallel means of uh, broadcast. For example, we can't broadcast the stuff we broadcast here, or would like to, and necessarily every place that we used to. <laughs> so we have to go to these alternative social media sites. Everybody is just—I see it. It's so strange. I see it just as these uh, diaspora were running from place to place for, for safety. <laughs> we are having to run from place to place in social media in order just to get our message out. Just yeah. enable to be to be able to converse without being persecuted, communicate with each other with those we trust. It's the same thing happening again. You do know that Trump has announced he's going to do a Trump media group. Yes, it's coming on February. Yes. Um, and I imagine it'll have social it. media as well as news. Yeah. Uh, these things are going to happen. When you start censoring people's freedom of speech, mm-hmm. people are not going to put up with it. You know, they're not going to be programmed. Some will, right. but basically they want to be programmed. Some will because they're just not aware of what's going on, and so they think that's the only news out there. Uh, but a lot will not, and they will create an alternative system. We don't have it yet, but mm-hmm. it will happen. And we have to do that in economic mm-hmm. terms, as, terms as well. Right. now, now it, it has to happen, and it will happen. It does. Ha- yeah, it has to happen, and it, regardless of who it comes from, we don't mean to be political here with, with, with Trump or anything, but we're saying that look at history well, and understand. Someone doesn't censor what you want to say. Exactly right. We need to look at history and learn from that. And, and if you are you know, a believer in Yeshua and you see that you're being persecuted and you, you've seen this history— we need to wake up and realize that there are going to be alternative forms of everything coming our way, and we need to grab hold of them yes. and, and gather together we, with those we the, trust. The wake up thing. Yeah. You know, the reason Yehovah allows these things to continue is that the longer it goes on, the more people awaken. Mm-hmm. And we do. We need to awaken. We have been asleep. We have let, you know, 
other elements take over our universities and every institution mm -hmm. in our modern world. They've taken over the media, they've taken over the universities, they've taken over the social media, they've taken over all the charitable institutions, mm -hmm. they've taken over sports, for goodness sake. You know, there's not a single institution in this country that has not been taken over. Mm -hmm. So if we don't awaken and claim it back, the schools, of course, you know, that. Yeah, that's one very close to your heart. Yeah, well, and that also we're dealing with the, the Virginia governorship. That was a huge, huge issue. It just turned a, a deep blue state to a, a red state, at least temporarily, <coughs> over, over mm -hmm. that issue. So these things are, these things, you know, <laughs> we have to awaken because it's not going to change unless you change it. And that's not going to happen until you awaken. And uh, so, you know, I don't think I think I may be preaching to the choir with many people <laughs> watching this show. Yeah, it's absolutely. gonna happen, and people are gonna be that realize this is all going very badly wrong. They're gonna be searching mm -hmm. for truth. Now, speaking of truth, the truth is that the messianic uh, also sparked the Renaissance. Yes, how about that? Before we go, <laughs> we have three minutes left, but I thought that was a very interesting no, piece of history. No, it's important because we've already talked about the huge amount of money because worldwide trade, new ideas, new animals, new products, new opportunities, new technology from the East, right? Coming in, all these things, this rich mix and all this money, they're floating in money. So they sponsor, and this was a primary reason for the Renaissance, they sponsor artists and they sponsor writers, and they sponsor scientists. They're doing these great things, but you know, you weren't, nobody's paying you to do it back then, right? And so now they're being paid to do it. It sparks the Renaissance. All of these people are coming out of Spain and in the, mess, in the diaspora and coming to Italy, to Florence in particular. They're participating in this, not just as artists and writers and scientists, but also as financiers. This is the conversos have tons of money. The Messianics have tons of money, and the Jews. And uh, they are sponsoring these, these new artists and scientists. And, and it's, it's creating incredible, I mean, something that's never before it's been seen in, in history. Just this incredible flowering in every area of learning and knowledge and art. It was, and painting is just um, mm. phenomenal. I think is the word, and, and a lot of it had to do with the diaspora of the Messianics. You know, they all came, Jews and conversers. Hard to tweak them apart, really. They lived in community often. <laughs> so you have Jews and Messianics going to Italy, sparking the Renaissance, which started in Florence, and <clears throat> that changed the world as we know it. Wow, amazing. All right, well, we have much more to say. And we'll say it on the next episode. So thank you for joining us. There's lots more to this story. Thank you for joining us on Shabbat Night Live. And uh, thank you again for bringing us uh, Miles. And we encourage you to go to uh, writingofgod.com. That's where people can get your book, right? We can get the 16 uh, of the major of accomplishments that uh, the Messianic Church has, has uh, done over the ages from Constantine through today. That's a free download on the website. But we also encourage you to get Miles' books because uh, if you thought that was great, the download, and you think this episode series is great, you just wait till you read the book. So we want to encourage you to get that as well. You'll be helping uh, Miles uh, further his efforts as well. So we thank you for that in advance. And we thank you for watching and we'll catch you next week on Shabbat Night Live. Until then, Shavuot Tov. Shabbat Night Live.